we in our generation have been entrusted with the truth. It has been delivered to us once and for all, and therefore we are to be those who, in the words of you, contend for the faith. as we remain standing, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, may your word be our guide. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher. And may your glory be our supreme concern. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Please do be seated and turn, if you will, to the tiny book of Jude, tucked away at the back of the New Testament. Uh, you'll find it uh, on page 1027. 1027 in these pristine ESV Bibles. <clears throat> well, I wonder if anyone in here today knows what Calera Fraxinea is. Calera Fraxinea. I don't see any... Ah, somebody said it. Ash dieback, wonderful. I knew that Jasmine wouldn't let me down. <clears throat> and ash dieback is that fungus uh, leading to leaf loss, bark lesions, and eventually to the dieback of the whole tree. It's spread by uh, uh, spores, uh, difficult to contain, and apparently it is usually fatal for the tree. Uh, I'm told that it was first discovered or seen in 1992 in Poland, but by 2009 it has spread to more than 20 European countries. And in that same year, in the United Kingdom, concern was first expressed by the Horticultural Trades Association. Uh, responsible for uh, uh, trees being uh, uh, shipped in, bought from plantations uh, in Europe. But their concerns were ignored. And by February 2012, it was first seen in the UK, and by the autumn, it had spread to a large number of counties. It is now a serious issue affecting the whole of our countryside and our landscape. Well, it's very easy to think that something is not our problem. And then a few years go along and suddenly it has become our problem and it is a serious concern affecting everyday life. And it is exactly the same with something that is far more serious than ash dieback. And that is the problem of false teaching and the spread of views that do not take seriously the authority of the Word of God and what it reveals about the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what has been seeping through the system in the West over many, many decades. It is something that is more toxic 
than ash dieback. And it is something that within Christian circles can so easily affect all the air that we breathe. And so what do we do in a situation when the Bible itself is not being recognized as an authoritative voice within our denomination, uh, within the West? What sort of things do we need to do? Well, we need to go back, back to the Bible itself, and we need back to a book such as Jude, because Jude will tell us exactly what to do. So I have three headings, and the first is very simply, we have a great salvation, verses 1 and 2. Jude introduces himself as a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. In fact, he is uh, uh, also born of Mary, a brother of Jesus Christ, but humbly describes himself simply as a servant. And he rejoices in three things in verse 1 that are true for every single believer here. He rejoices in the fact that we have been called, that God has called us in eternity in Christ to be part of his people. Imagine you get a phone call. Somebody calls you up. Perhaps you're a youngster here and they call you up to see if you can play in the football team, the five-a-side, after work or uh, after school. Or somebody calls you to come along to this particular special event that is happening. It's a privilege, perhaps, to receive such a call. But we have received a call from none other than God our Father, who speaks to us through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But more than that, because that has happened for many believers in the past, we are also beloved in God the Father, loved in God the Father. Now, what does that mean? Perhaps a picture, a, uh, uh, perhaps a, a park, and there are swings and roundabouts and all sorts of things. And uh, there's a, a little one uh, just trying to get on a, a roundabout or something, and they fall over, there's tears, uh, and immediately they uh, spring up and they dash over to mum. And they are enfolded in the, the skirts of mum as she looks after her own child. And so it is that believers are able to rejoice in being loved in God the Father, the one who is concerned and cares for us, the one who we can run to amidst all the struggles that we experience in our lives. That is something for our present experience. But then he turns to the third of these things, called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ a reference to something in the future. We belong to Jesus Christ, and one day we will be claimed. Perhaps you're a, a parent here, and you uh, decided to get a bike for your, one of your uh, children at Christmas time. And perhaps you got yourself organized, 
and you went to the bike shop in October and you bought the bike. You paid for it. But they would keep it until the 22nd of December. It was kept for you. And so, although it was still at the bike shop, it had your name written on it, and one day it was going to be delivered to you. And as it were, the Lord Jesus Christ one day will receive every single believer that we might see him face to face. What a glorious prospect, secure now in the knowledge that we are those who have been purchased and are kept that at the end of our earthly pilgrimage, we will see the Lord Jesus Christ. What a, what a glorious salvation that is. This is past, present, future, called, loved, and kept. And this is the thing that Jude revels in. He delights, in verse 2, in God's mercy and peace and love. And so no wonder when he gets to verse 3, he says, Beloved, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. Jude is excited by this. These aren't just points that he can tick off on a tick list. Oh, yes, got that, got that, got that, as you go around the shops and tick off your list. No, 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 this is something that he is passionately excited about and longs to convey to any who will listen, and especially to those to whom he is writing. Jude is excited by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on this 40th anniversary of David's ministry, it is very clear that David has been excited by the gospel and has longed that mercy, peace, and love be multiplied uh, within this city and beyond. Uh, 20 years ago or so, uh, he produced this book, Ready, Steady, Go, which I read many years ago to my prophet. Uh, it's, a, it's a book which is passionate about multiplying believers, about seeing the church grow, because it is focusing on the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, Richard Clayton, uh, it, it was in his uh, memory, the church was started to remind people about this glorious gospel that Richard Clayton had preached in 19th century Newcastle. And are we, are we in our generation, those who are similarly excited about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we those who have been called and who sense that wondrous privilege of being called are we those who know today what it is to be loved in God the Father? Are we those who have confidence that we have been marked out through nothing of our own, but through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we have been kept, that one day we will meet with our Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we excited about this glorious gospel. But we, we must go on, because Jude goes on and says, yes, this gospel is tremendously exciting, but, point two, there is a great danger. A great danger, verse four. Well, what has happened? Certain people have crept in unnoticed, 
They have infiltrated. Uh, perhaps uh, it's a picture of while everybody is uh, watching Downton Abbey on Christmas Day, they infiltrate. They get in, slip in by the back door. They're unnoticed. Of course they're unnoticed in order to try to uh, uh, do their work. And it is so easy uh, within the church. We focus on what is happening in our parish. We focus on getting the gospel out. And within the denomination, as it were, unnoticed, people are creeping in, getting ordained, getting into this position. But they're, they're there with a different gospel. They're there without respect for the authority of the Word of God, the Scriptures. And so we have wolves in sheep's clothing who slip in. And it's a warning that Paul often sounds uh, within his own writings in the New Testament. And what were they teaching? Well, it says that they were perverting the grace of our God into sensuality and denying our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. They were twisting things. Perhaps think of uh, uh, a cartoon character, and they've got a, they've got a gun. And somehow, this, uh, in the cartoon, this gun is then twisted back and facing uh, in a completely different direction. They're aiming in that direction, and yet the, uh, uh, the, uh, the bullet goes in a completely different one. And so it is here that the grace of our God, according to Paul in Titus 2.11, is to teach us to say no to ungodliness. And yet what was happening here was that that had been twisted so that the grace of our God was to give permission to sensuality to living a sinful life. The complete opposite of what the grace of our God is designed to do. It was twisted. Uh, truth was also twisted, as we see in verse 4 as well. You see, these leaders no doubt believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course they did, but not as their only master and Lord. Yes, I will listen to Jesus and follow his word. I will also listen to the world and follow its advice and go along with the spirit of the age because we need to listen to these things, they might uh, argue, in order to make Christianity re uh, relevant to our particular generation. But if you're listening to the word and you're also giving equal value to listening to what the world says... Well, that will be a denial of Jesus as our only master and Lord. It will be twisting the truth. I know that people up here are, are passionate about Newcastle United. But uh, just imagine in the January transfer window, and there's a, a player somewhere else in the uh, uh, premiership, and uh, they're wondering, whether they get offers from both Newcastle and Sunderland. But they can't play for both. Can't play for both. A choice needs to be made. And so it is. But these teachers, they were trying to go with both. But that was a denial of Jesus as our only Savior and Lord. And what will happen well, we see, in the, if we glance on to verse 12 and verse 13, it says there that uh, uh, these are hidden reefs at your love feast. 
They are waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn. They are wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars. All these images are images where something is promised, but nothing is delivered. Where a a waterless cloud in a dry country uh, promises much, but it's waterless. It it doesn't actually help. Uh, A fruitless tree, there's blossom in the spring, but there's no fruit at the end of the day. Uh, There's waves, lots of noise, but just lots of uh, foam and detritus left on the beach. No, what happens when such people, says Jude, get in charge of the church is that we find they might promise relevance. They might promise this is the way to build the church, but, but it delivers nothing. And has that not been exactly what has happened in our denomination over recent decades with all the various changes to make us more relevant that actually it has been a betrayal, a twisting in all sorts of ways of the truth. And today, again, as we think of uh, David's 40th anniversary, we are grateful for his ministry. Uh, This book, Church and State in the New Millennium, uh, that David wrote uh, 12, 13 years ago, in many ways uh, was prophetic because uh, The chapter headings, as you go through them, you realize that these are all issues that David was able to see those years ago that are actually uh, much more issues for our own day. And they highlight the many, many ways in which uh, our church seems to have lost its grip on the authority of the Word of God. David, in his colored supplements, month by month, has again so often uh, given evidence of of wisdom in being able to analyze what is actually going wrong. And therefore, we uh, thank and honor him for his uh, biblically informed analysis, wide-ranging, acute. And we need to be those who are aware of the dangers within our society, within our church, of what happens when uh, it is led by people who pervert grace and twist the truth. So what is the answer? Well, uh, point three, we are involved, therefore, in a great battle. What does it say? It says in verse three, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We need to recognize that we have been entrusted, that the faith, the body of uh, all that we have in the, uh, the Scriptures has been delivered to us. It's like a parcel that is delivered to us just before Christmas. It's a, it's a glorious gift. It's been entrusted to us, and we are to be those in our own generation who look after it. Just imagine that uh, your neighbor goes on holiday. They deliver you the key and entrust you with the house. It's no good when they get back after two weeks and you've sold a bit of the front garden and you've uh, let some squatters in and all the rest of it. No, you have to preserve it to look after it and deliver it back. And so it is that we in our generation have been entrusted with the truth. It has been delivered to us once and for all. And therefore, we are to be those who, in the words of you, contend for the faith 
It's a word that conjures up ideas of athletics or of the rugby scrum. It's a word that, uh, uh, it's a picture of effort, energy, yes, sometimes conflict, sometimes of getting wounded, but of not letting go, contending for the faith. And it, therefore, Jude is saying to the believers way back then, it is their duty, whether through prayer, through preaching, through godly living, through uh, involvement within the denomination, whatever it takes to speak the truth in love, to hold on to this faith that has been delivered to you. And today, again, we are grateful for David's ministry, faithfully contending in the church over the last 40 years, General Synod, reform, through uh, the Christian Institute. And here's an example for us also to stand firm and hold on to this precious deposit of the gospel that has been entrusted, not just to church leaders, but to every single Christian. And therefore, perhaps in our workplaces, when we're tempted to take the, the easy way out, to go with the flow, we are to contend there, to hold on, to say, no, but, but I do believe this. Well, this is what the Bible says. Uh, this is what is taught in our church, or whatever it is, we are to contend there. Uh, whether it's uh, at the school gate, we are to be those who uh, are, are similarly holding on to the gospel and holding on to what the scriptures say. Therefore, as we come to a close, started by reminding us of something that crept in unnoticed, as it were, ash dieback, and we suddenly wake up to a serious issue. And here Jude is pointing out the issue of church dieback, something that we have experienced in the West over many decades now and which is something that we must uh, take seriously as we look to the future. We have a great gospel, but there are great dangers, and therefore, whether we like it or not, Christians are plunged into a great battle. And therefore, can I simply ask these questions as we close? Will you pray for renewed excitement about your salvation? Will you pray for a renewed uh, understanding of what it means to be, uh, to, to be called, to be loved, and to be kept for Jesus Christ? And will you pray for wisdom about the dangers of drifting away from the Scriptures? And will you pray for courage, courage, to face all the battles in our secular society, all the battles in our denomination? Will you pray for those like David and, and others who were involved in this battle in, in public ways, but will you pray for each other and for yourself that you also will contend for the faith that has been specially delivered to you? And now to him, as Jude says, who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior. Through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.